deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. This is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. Santana makes the catch! Ball game! The Indians have won the American League pennant! The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series! Now, Ryan Lewis and Ashley Fastock. Welcome to Leading Off, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. I'm Ashley Bastock, here with our beat writer at the Akron Beacon Journal, Ryan Lewis. And Ryan, you know, we typically like to have fun at the top of the show, do some pop culture banter. Uh, but based on our episode last week, you know, I think we're we're going to save that until later because we obviously have something a little fun planned pop culture wise. But um, we're just going to dive right into maybe the major storyline of this last week, if that's all right with you. Yes, uh, some movie discussion last week generated some Twitter banter and kind of warranted some extra, um, diving into it, let's say. So yes, let's, let's start with baseball and then, then we'll, we'll get to our, our, uh, our little setup for the day. So baseball wise, the story of the last week for Cleveland has been injuries. Um, it's been not great to put it mildly. Um, so first, we have Fran Mel Reyes placed on the 10-day injured list on Sunday with an internal oblique strain. If you didn't happen to watch that game on Saturday, he was batting in the sixth inning. He fouled a ball back into the seats, and he looked up. He immediately yelled, grimace in pain. Um, he talked to Terry Francona and a team trainer for a little bit, um, and then he left the game mid-at-bat. So he was given an early timetable of five to seven weeks to return to major league games. Um, and like you wrote, that means that they will be without one of the most dangerous hitters in the American League until late June or more likely early to mid-July. And in the aftermath of all that, Owen Miller gets called up from Columbus to, to DH. Um, but broadly, what, what does this mean to lose Fran Mill at this point in the season? It means Jose Ramirez should be covered in bubble wrap everywhere he goes for the next at least five to seven weeks, maybe forever. Yeah, losing Reyes for this lineup is a really tough situation to be in because there were already some question marks in terms of uh, especially the depth of this lineup. And, you know, you had the heart of the lineup with Ramirez and Reyes and those two guys together, you know, you not, not that you can count on it, especially not for 162 games, but there were stretches where those two guys can get hot enough to pretty much carry a lineup. Ramirez pretty much did it by himself um, last September um, at the end of the season. So losing one of those two guys uh, for this lineup, what it really means is, you know, there there are so many different situations where based on either track record or prospect pedigree or whatever it might be, certain guys haven't had, I guess, a level of consistency that they, they would have been hoping for. And Reyes being down really means that they're going to absolutely need, like it, it's reached the point of being a necessity for at least one of those guys, if not some of those guys, um, to, to kind of break through. And, you know, one guy might be Eddie Rosario, who has had a slow start to the season. He said about a week ago that, yes, some frustration has kind of creeped in. He mentioned uh, a few days ago, and we're recording this on Thursday morning, May 27th, so just for timing purposes, um, he he mentioned a few days ago that 
the, the coaching staff has been working with him on, on kind of staying back and keeping his hands back and that he's always viewed his hands as, as being um, kind of the, the key to his swing in, in a way. And, you know, he wasn't really letting them just do the work. Um, so that's, that's been a focus. He has started to come around a little bit, uh, not as much with the power, uh, but he has started to hit a, a, a little bit more to provide a little bit more length, which is, which is, at least the first step for what they need. Uh, Josh Naylor is another guy who has had some stretches this season, but not a lot of consistency. And he, he also got off to a, a, a pretty slow start. Uh, Cesar Hernandez has started to come around a, a bit more at the top of the lineup, which is a, a another key um, for, for guys to start being on base uh, in front of Jose Ramirez. You know, Jake Bowers is a, another one. If, if he can provide, you know, a level of consistency there. Oh, when Miller was called up, he, just absolutely tore through AAA pitching. Um, you know, it remains to be seen what he can do at the major league level and in a role that isn't necessarily an everyday role. Reyes being down does present some issues for this lineup. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't, you know, survive it, but it does mean that um, for, for a lineup that was already not exactly setting the world on fire, um, it, it, it does make it a little bit tougher. And, if they get contributions up and down the lineup, uh, you know, they can, they can kind of weather the storm for a little bit offensively. Um, but it's, it's certainly not ideal and it's not the ideal situation. And it is a major storyline, possibly into July that this team kind of has to just try to navigate the situation. They're, they're going to have to try to navigate while they also try to chase down the White Sox. Yeah. It's like to me, when I saw this happen, I'm like, the thing that's going to have to happen is multiple guys are going to have to piece something together here at the same time in this lineup. Like he's not a guy that you can just replace with one person. Like it's just unfortunately not that easy. Right. And I mean, it means the scoreboard can relax for a little bit because it's very (laughs) unlikely that no one else has a chance at the scoreboard. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a guy where it's just, it it would be too difficult to expect anyone to replace his production as a as a one on one thing, so just like you said, I mean, if Rosario comes around a little bit, if Josh Naylor comes around a little bit, if uh, Cesar Hernandez comes around and, or continues to come around a little bit, because he, he he has been, you know, he's he's uh, hit two leadoff home runs in the last you know, week or so, but they need <laughs> they're going to need somebody to kind of step up, and it's kind of the thing with a younger roster where you have guys who the potential is legitimate. And I guess it's fair, but it also lends itself to question marks and a lack of a trek record. And, um, you know, to expect something might not be fair, I guess, you know, it, and it's the same thing with the, with the younger rotation, just so many guys being younger that, you know, Tito mentioned, I think his quote like a week ago, just something like, you know, there, there were going to be hiccups and to expect anything else, you know, wouldn't have been fair. It's kind of the same thing with a bunch of younger hitters. Um, but that's the situation that Cleveland is in. That's what they've they've had to try to build with the resources that they've had. And, you know, that situation lends itself to some murkier waters, I guess, if if you have some key injuries. And that's the spot that they're in now. So moving on from the injury to the most powerful bat in this lineup, arguably, let's talk about the one that's going to be inducted into the weird baseball injuries Hall of Fame one day. Um, so Cleveland starting pitcher Zach Plesak go into the injured list with a non-displaced fracture in his right thumb. His last outing 
ended with a five-run inning at the hands of the Twins, knocked him out of the game, and Plesak was, quote, aggressively, end quote, taking off his shirt in the clubhouse and caught his thumb on a chair, according to Terry Francona. First of all, please explain this to me. I told you two days ago you had two days to figure out how to explain this to me on the pod, because when I heard this, I'm like, I don't understand what happened. Like, have you had time to digest it? Is there more clarity um, on exactly what what went down with this strange injury? I mean, who among us hasn't had this happen? I know. It sounds like there was some frustration um, after his start against the Twins, which you know, for for a several start stretch, he was you know had, had kind of found a second or even a third gear is kind of the way that I would put it. Um, he had made several adjustments. He had completely correct him, corrected himself from when um, you know the White Sox knocked him out in the the first inning in April, and he was perfect through three innings against the Twins, and then the wheels just kind of came off, and he had, he had a five run inning. Sounds like there was some frustration there. I'm guessing he was just not really aware of his surroundings in a rush, I guess. It, it sounds like there was some frustration, probably some anger, and um, a chair came out of nowhere or something. I don't know. And he hit his throwing hand, uh, which is not what you want to do as a pitcher. Um, there have been some weird pitching injuries, which is not necessarily new, but this year has been a little weird. You know, uh, uh, Lizardo in Oakland, uh, hurt his pitching hand playing video games. Um, I mean, that's, when that's your livelihood, um, you, you gotta be careful. So this is an, an interesting way <laughs> to, to go on the injury list. Now then again, I, I get injured getting off the couch sometimes if I like go at a weird angle. So like, I kind of identify with this a little bit. No, I was gonna ask um, you, like, do you have any, like, strange injury stories that, like, say you were, a major league pitcher or just a player in general, and you had gotten injured in the same fashion, like, would it be a headline like this? Like, would the mysticals be coming about, you know, Ryan Lewis injured himself doing blah, blah, blah. Here are 35 other strange injuries in major league baseball. And I don't know if I've had any that are, like, funny. They're all just stupid. <laughs> just waking up with, like, my back, like a tweak in my back for absolutely no reason. Just from sleeping, I <laughs> um, I did have like five or six concussions as a kid. I got swung into a tree playing football and may or may not have been hit by a car on my bike, which was what? Uh, yeah. I'm hearing you got by a car. That one was like I woke up three hours later in the hospital level. That's a whole story. I think it was like seventh seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. We're to do a podcast on that one day. Just oh yeah, Brian uh, didn't hit by a car. Oh yeah, it, uh, they were gonna transfer me in in a car, and that wasn't gonna work. And the ambulance had to, it was a whole thing. It's a whole story. I mean, I <laughs> I have a scar on like my like this side of my forehead from. Um, here's one. <clears throat> here's one that's gonna make my wife laugh because she always laughs at me. I was in fencing club in like fourth grade or something. Yeah, see. Let, laugh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's just it's I, so random. Like, you could have said any kind of club. You I could know, have right? guessed the club. Never in the next, like, million years would I have guessed fencing club for fourth graders, I especially. Remember. I don't remember how it started. All I remember is, I think it was, like, fourth grade-ish. Um, it was around there. Maybe fifth grade. But I was in fencing club, and we were doing this thing where we, I think it was, like, a, it was either, like, a school, I think, 
some kind of like an older school and we would run around it beforehand, like, like kind of run around the hallways. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of like one and I, I looked back as I entered like the bigger gym and I hit the door jam, which was really high up on the wall. And um, about 20 seconds later, everything got fuzzy. And I just remember someone saying like, Ryan, are you okay? And I didn't realize that like blood was kind of streaming down my face. (laughs) I I have some weird concussion stories. So that is what a tale. I mean, mine is so tame in comparison. Um, A few years ago, I was trying to pit an avocado in the morning and like was still half asleep and had a knife and gashed my hand like between my, my thumb and my pointer finger um, blood started gushing. I had to, I was living in DC at the time, so didn't have a car because like it's impossible to drive around there. I had to take an Uber to the hospital <laughs> to get stitches. Like not, not good, but it was only a handful of stitches. However, I think that's like my only non sports related injury that could have potentially had an impact had I still been playing sports. Yeah, I mean, if you're half asleep using a knife, that's... I know. I don't know what possessed me. The the point of this is, after the fact, I went on Amazon and found this um, tool specifically for pitting avocados and, like, slicing them up, and it's, like, plastic so that you can't injure yourself. Um, But, you know, you you mentioned the weird year. It's been a weird year for some of these injuries, but... This sport is just prone to weird injuries. Um, and after PleaseXMLB.com, um, of course, like I said, these, these listicles happen every time after one of these strange injuries happens. Um, so PleaseX was no different. So MLB.com gathered these. I pulled out some of my favorites. Feel free to add any if you think I'm missing one. 2020, another wardrobe related injury. Zach Wheeler hurt his pitching hand putting on his pants. Um, 2019, Carlos Correa fractured a rib because of a massage gone wrong. 2019, Juanes Cespedes, calcification from both heels, derailed by a freak injury suffered on his ranch in Florida, where he suffered a violent fall due to wild boars, which reminds me of that 30 to 50 feral hogs meme that was like going around Twitter a few years ago. <laughs> so had a, had a run in with some wild boars and uh, ultimately had to miss some games. Missed some time. Um, 2018, Salvador Perez missed weeks with the Royals because he hurt his MCL and his knee carrying luggage in his house. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll remember in 2016 when Trevor Bauer slices his finger open, fixing his drone. Um, obviously, his hand opened up in the first inning of Game 3 in the ALCS, and he had to leave the game. Um, became a punchline for years and years and years to come. Um, 2010, I think this is the only one on this list that happened in a game, uh, Kendris Morales hits a walk-off grand slam to lift the Angels over the Mariners on May 29th, broke his left ankle in the celebration at home plate. He missed the rest of the year, and I believe all of 2011. Um, 2004, Sammy Sosa sneezes too hard and throws out his back. That's that's might be my favorite, but we're, I, I, it's a tie between now and one coming up here. 2002... Marty Cordova, Marty Cordova of the Orioles fell asleep in a tanning bed and burnt his face bad enough that the doctor said he had to stay out of the sun until it healed. So missed some time because of that. Um, 1994, Steve Sparks, Brewers Spring Training, tries to impress his teammates by ripping a phone book in half, dislocated his left shoulder trying to rip apart the phone book because, of course, he did. 
1993, maybe the most famous one, in August of 93 specifically, <laughs> Ricky Henderson missed three games for the Blue Jays with frostbite on his left foot because he'd left an ice pack on it for too long. So do you have a favorite? Are you sticking with Sammy Sosa? Is that your favorite? Yeah, I think that's the most, that at least for me, that might be the most like relatable. I'm surprised I haven't done that, quite frankly. So The tanning bed to me, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine falling asleep to the point that you are burned badly enough, like, and it, it is not waking you up because of, like, discomfort or something. Like, how do you stay asleep that long inside of one um, to the point that you now medically need to stay out of the sun? Like, injury aside, that's a level of sleep that we can all aspire to. I know. I, I wish that I could sleep that well. Um, it would solve a lot of my tiredness problems my fatigue issues yeah i mean this this sport man and these strange injuries like and there there were plenty more that i i didn't include i was trying to include ones that like were more out there as opposed to like you know some guys like hurt themselves like washing dishes because they cut themselves on a knife like things like that they're still weird but like not so out there like falling asleep in a tanning bed <laughs> like or getting a massage and the person breaks your rib like that's a little a little out there um but but serious talk though so with police axe injury this really creates like we talked about with the lineup with Fran Mill being out this creates a depth issue for Cleveland pitching and that's a strange situation to be in giving Cleveland's track record with pitching development especially um in recent years so Earlier, they sent Tristan McKenzie down to try and work through some things in AAA, just like Logan Allen before him, and he got called right back up to start on Wednesday against Detroit. Um, he's going to be optioned right back down, according to Tito. That was the the word initially, but you know, number one, what were they saying about Tristan last night after after that outing, and what does the next week overall look like for this team? He got back to himself a little bit. A little bit. I think it's probably the most like you know, umbrella way to kind of recap his start. You know, he, he walked 30 guys and I think 31 in the third innings before being optioned down. Um, and he just, he had, he had really lost, lost that level of control. And, you know, kind of what's worse is that, uh, you know, he mentioned a week or two ago um, that once he walked that first guy, um, his focus turned to just not walking someone else, which is just not, that type of aggressive way to pitch with conviction that normally leads to success. So they sent him down with the idea um, that he's going to be able to take some time and work at work at AAA, not have to worry about results, just worry about the process. And that did not last very long. And um, last night, especially just to, to finish that thought, his, his fastball usage came down, his curveball usage went up, uh, he threw his changeup a little bit more, um, just a, a, a few more times than he had um, in his most recent starts before getting optioned down. And it's, just, it's a better pitch se- sequencing mix for him to where, you know, he's just utilizing his repertoire in, in, in a way that kind of made him successful in the first place. And he had kind of fallen out of that because he was falling behind hitters so often that he had to lean on his fastball way too much. And, um, you know, having to throw a curveball in a, in an 0-2 count is a much better situation than having to throw it in a 3-1 count because you, you just don't want to go to your fastball again after so many uh, uh, repetitive cases. So that was a, a a pretty big start for him. Yes, the Tigers lineup, uh, you know, during this rebuild is not exactly Cleveland in 95 or the 27 Yankees or anything like that. But 
you know, this was a, a positive start. He was optioned down after that outing, but that's not any type of a demotion or a punishment. Um, he'll be able to be recalled for one of the games uh, on Monday's doubleheader against the White Sox. And then so, so him being optioned just allows Cleveland an extra roster spot for a few days. And so we're, we're recording this Thursday morning. So, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how they handle that. Um, but the pitching situation for the next four or five days is pretty unknown. Um, there are a lot of different options. Once they get through Monday, they might be okay. They have three off days and an eight day stretch, which will kind of allow a lot more flexibility. They'll be able to kind of take a deep breath, but to get through Monday, they're kind of having to piece it together, you know, step by step. So Friday's game is the first step. Um, Eli Morgan is an option. Logan Allen might be somewhat of an option. A bullpen game is an option. They could have Mejia throw a few innings. Kyle Control has been uh, being lengthened out a little bit. Those things may come into play on Monday, potentially. Who knows? In addition to McKenzie, just trying to just trying to not overwork anything because it's 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 pretty difficult to to come back from certain things. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it it's a lot easier for a team to you know be cautious and really try to get out in front of some things instead of trying to recover from going a little bit too far, especially this early in the season. The extra inning rules have kind of limited this a little bit, but remember several years ago, Cleveland has a 19 inning game in Toronto, and then that move, you know, that game pretty much cost Jabba Chamberlain a job. At least it shortened his stay with Cleveland, and, you know, several roster moves were needed. Those situations can arise with injuries or with stretches where starting pitchers don't go, go as deep into games, then you have a double header or things like that. You know, those things can be somewhat troublesome for a team. So they're going to try to piece this together and just kind of see how it goes. Um, Savali delivered exactly what they needed Tuesday night, pitching into the ninth inning. That helped. Uh, Tristan McKenzie going five last night um, was a probably pretty close to best case scenario given the circumstances. Um, so this is a tough situation for a, a team that hasn't always, you know, been in this spot. Um, it happened a little bit in 2019 with some trades and uh, some injuries. Savali was actually one of the solutions um, that year coming up and, and kind of helping to stabilize the rotation. Um, but for at least the next week and possibly for the next several weeks, um, they're going to have to get a little more creative and, and really lean on, on some of this youth, um, kind of whether they're ready or not. Well, we've touched on all the major points now and newsy items of the week. So if you listen to this podcast last week, you know that up top Ryan brought up that he saw for love of the game, for the first time last week, asked me if I had seen it. I said, why are you putting me on blast like that? No, I have not. And now I have to admit it publicly. Um, he listed off some of his other favorite baseball movies. And um, we talked about that a little bit, tweeted about it. And I'll tell you, our boss, our editor, texted me when I tweeted that you left out my favorite movie in listing off movies. And he said, did Ryan leave out Field of Dreams? Because if he did, his job is now in jeopardy. <laughs> He did not. I stuck up for you. I said you did not leave that one out. Um, but we decided with all the feedback we got on Twitter and from people we know that we were going to do a fantasy draft of our favorite baseball movies. So I think we decided on five movies each. Um, and we were talking about, you know, it's I want to before we get into the actual draft every like year to six months or so. 
Um, I think it's Bull Durham ends up trending on Twitter because this graphic of nine movies goes around on Twitter and it's like, you know, you can only pick three and the nine movies listed are the Sandlot Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield, Field of Dreams, A League of Their Own, 42, Moneyball, Little Big League and Major League. And everyone is always like mad that Bull Durham's not on there and the Naturals not on there and at least Bull Durham. It's, I think, an oversight based on the, um, you know, on Twitter and everything else, since that's the one that always trends. But um, we're going to we're going to make our list and look forward to you all telling us how wrong we are and <laughs> whatever we pick is incorrect. And, um, you know, it should be should be a fun time for for Ryan and I. And I, I imagine it's going to get a little competitive because, like I told him, I have, I have a hard top five. So if I don't get one let alone two of these films, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, so ranking these movies was a little more difficult, kind of making like a big board. So so we're going to draft ten movies. Ranking them felt like cold because there are so many great baseball movies that we all love that this was a lot more difficult. There, there are going to be some really great movies as like undrafted free agents after this. Yeah, yeah this kind of felt cold. But I have my big board ready. Uh, some research did go into this because uh, I, I hadn't seen this in a long time. Yeah, no, I have I have IMDb pages tabs pulled up on my computer right now. So um, we'll we'll I'm doing some research on the fly as far as what I'm going to say, depending on what I get. Obviously, um, I figure the best way to to determine who goes first is I'm going to use a random number generator, Google's random number generator on my phone. Um, so we'll do a number between one and ten. Ryan, it is technically your podcast that you graciously allow me to be on with you. So I'll let you pick the number you want first. So we're going to avoid a My Favorite Murder, like, who goes first moment. Yeah, we're going to avoid that, which we both found out we love that podcast, by the way. I know you probably don't come to to our podcast for true crime, but um, we <laughs> certainly go to Karen and Georgia over at My Favorite Murder for our favorite podcast. We're, it's your podcast. It's your favorite podcast's favorite podcast, if you look at it that way. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, I'll go with eight. Okay, I'm going to go with five. So we're going to generate it two. So I get to go first, which is phenomenal because there is a number one obvious choice that has to be picked first. Um, I think we would get so much hate if it did not go first. So I am taking Field of Dreams, number I'm one. So upset. I'm, I'm, I'm already upset, and I, I hate this draft. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just is the the quintessential baseball movie, um, not to name other draft picks. I know I did up top, but it is, I think, you cannot argue it is the best Kevin Costner baseball movie. <laughs> it is the best of the three, the three big ones. Um, what else is there to say about Field of Dreams? Although I do want to bring up my number one uh, pet peeve involved with this movie, which has nothing to do with the film itself, but it's people always misquote the most famous line and say, if you build it, they will come. And that's not the quote. It's if you build it, he will come. It's talking about his dad. But just a just a beautiful film. I, I truly I don't know how many times I've seen it. I cannot watch it without crying. Um, that quote is this heaven. No, it's Iowa. Like it just is a phenomenal, heartfelt movie. Um, I think anyone who has a relationship to baseball because of 
their dad or their parents. Like it, it just really tugs at your heartstrings. Like it, it's a classic for a reason. Yes. Um, every part with uh, Moonlight Graham is great. And I, I tweeted the other day that Zach Plesek was going to meet with Dr. Graham and all these people tweeted Moonlight Graham gifts, which I appreciated greatly. But that, that entire thing is great. Um, that, that kind of arc. The speech by James Earl Jones at the end is perfect and just encapsulates really just baseball, um, like in its entirety in that one speech. There's just such like a charm and magic to that movie. And, you know, like you mentioned, it is one that like just about everybody tears up at the end, at least, at least tears up. It's just about the perfect movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. So I would trade like my entire draft. It'd be a, a, a Ricky Williams Saints situation. I would trade my entire draft for that movie. Um, it's just such a, a great film. Kevin Costner so good, good in it. Oh, so good. I mean, it's, is there anyone that this isn't their favorite Kevin Costner movie? Like, period? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I know it's mine. Like, it just is so, 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 so good. A fun trivia tidbit I found, like I said, I have these IMDb tabs pulled up. Um, then unknown, guess which famous, two famous actors were one of the thousands of extras in the Fenway Park scene, and they're uncredited. Oh, I don't know. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Oh, I should, I, I probably could have guessed that, actually. <laughs> you should have guessed that from Boston alone. Okay. Yeah, so just, you know, I don't know how much, you know, more there is to say about this one. Like I said, the classic lines, the, the sentiment of the movie, um, it is undeniably, I think, a lot of people's favorite baseball movie, for plenty of reasons. Um, so that is my pick. And again, you know, based on the fact that your job security was in jeopardy, I feel like I had to pick it first. Otherwise, mine would have been in jeopardy had I had I not had I left it on the board for you to take so easily. I was not expecting you to take all the dreams. <laughs> oh. now, so now can we do trades? We can <laughs> potentially do trades at the end because I know what you're about to do and I'm going to freak out. Exactly right. You're so cruel. You're cruel. This is awful. I'm literally, I'm preemptively angry. All right, I'm, I'm going to offer you the number two pick for the number one pick, which allows you to pick what I know is your favorite movie while also securing your job security. Yeah, that's true. All trade. right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to trade, even okay. though I picked this and we're on the record. Um. Because then you get to explain why this is your favorite movie of all time, which and it's yeah. a fantastic movie. But yeah, yeah. So are you gonna? Do, how do we do this trade officially? Do you still make the pick, and I either we we trade it after the fact, after our discussion? Like, what's the what's the situation here? Okay, sure. So I'll I'll announce the trade, right? or announce the pick. So the second baseball movie being drafted is A League of Their Own. Absolutely classic movie with a fantastic cast, but I want to let it, it is your favorite movie or favorite baseball movie of all time because we last week on the podcast we both noted what our favorite baseball movies are, so we knew each other's like number one. Um, so I will let you just describe the the excellence that is that movie. I truly. It it is my favorite baseball movie. I mean, for a reason. First of all, Gina Davis. Just fantastic. Um, this is peak Tom Hanks to me, practically. Like, Jimmy Dugan is one of my favorite characters in not just sports movies, all of film. Um, again, a movie with great quotes, like, 
you know, lay off the high ones. I say that all the time. Like I could be covering high school baseball games and I, I'm thinking to myself, like lay off the high ones or, <laughs> um, I, I love, I just, I just love it. Like, I don't know. I think because, you know, obviously I am a woman, like the, the woman in sports aspect of all of this was great. Um, Gina Davis is just phenomenal. Um, and I, the ending of the movie is always what gets me because, you know, that's the big argument. And I want to know what you think is, did Dottie let Kit win? Did she let her have a moment in the sun? Did she drop the ball on purpose? Because I've gone back and forth on this for so long. I think one of the fun parts with a lot of movies is not necessarily annoying. I actually, I know some people get really frustrated with that. Um, but that kind of element of wonder, I kind of, I understand why sometimes that's put in, but I don't know if I have the strongest opinion here. I just, it's, it's a fantastic movie. And everyone quotes the same line, but I think there are like 10 lines that are also quotable as just great lines in the film. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I quote, I probably, I, I know, you know, there's no crying in baseball is the, the main one. That's the, that's the Dottie Henson of lines in this movie. But, um, you know, I love, there's no, there's no crying in baseball. Um, you missed the cutoff man again, Evelyn. Like, I, like, if I'm frustrated with no context, I will say that and shake my hands like Tom Hanks does in this movie. Um, it, it just truly is, like, it's, there's more, I think, like, it, there's a comedy aspect of it, obviously. Um, the dramatic parts of this film work really well, like when Betty Spaghetti's husband dies in the war. Spoiler alert, if you haven't somehow seen this movie yet, um, when her husband dies in the war and Dottie thinks it's her husband. I think the one, you know, and we talked about frustrations with this movie. For me, like, Dottie is just so good, you know, and Tom Hanks has that line of, you're, you're only the best player in the game or whatever. Um, and the fact that she wants to walk away just like makes me so sad because, you know, you wonder what could have been and obviously had this league gone on. Um, but the ending too is just phenomenal. Like seeing them as older and at the hall of fame and this exhibit opening and seeing them get their, their due and get to be all together again. Like I, I just love it. Like I, I really have like no complaints about this movie. Like I said, I have some frustrations, um, as far as like, not knowing what Dottie did at the end, if it was purposeful or not. Um, and obviously the, the sit where the scene where Kit gets traded is, is a tough, tough watch and, um, lots of family drama coming, bubbling to the surface in that scene. But, um, truly just, just a phenomenal film. <laughs> like I, I can watch that. I can, if that movie's on TV, I'm jumping in and I'm watching the rest of it, no matter where it's at. Right, right. And there are a lot of great movies that cause, conversations in like the best way and everything with, with Dottie, you know, that I, I think this kind of accomplishes that where was it seen as like a gesture if she did it on purpose or was she too much of a competitor to not do it? And I think that's kind of left up um, to everybody to kind of make that decision. And I don't, I don't think that's any sort of like a cop out or anything. I think that that is an element that sometimes can kind of elevate a movie. Yeah. It's just, it's a fantastic movie. Um, there's, there's really nothing negative to possibly say about yeah. in my, either of these first two movies. A, um, a phenomenal. I, I mean, I mean, I think so much of it too with, um, with a leak of their own is Penny Marshall's directing. I mean, I think this is the movie a lot of people think of when, when you think of Penny Marshall movies. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
again, everybody quotes the same line, but this movie is so much more than that. Um, and that's a great line, of course, but, um, and it's, it's a great scene too. Um, yeah, the, these first two movies really kill it in terms of quotable lines. I was going to say some trivia from this one before we move on to our next picks. Um, and Affleck, uh, no, no Ben Affleck in this movie that I've seen on the IMDb trivia page. Um, I always think it's interesting. Many of the injuries and bruises that the actresses got were real, um, not makeup, not stunt doubles, including if you've seen this movie, you know, the big strawberry bruise that actress Renee Coleman got on her leg while sliding into a base remained on her body for over a year. So well after filming was done, the, all of the actresses who auditioned had to prove that they could play baseball. Um, and all of the actresses, except for Gina Davis, did all of their own baseball stunts. None of them wanted stunt doubles. Um, and obviously the famous split catch that Dottie does that ends up on the magazine cover. Um, Gina Davis did have a stunt double do that. Um, although she could do the splits, she couldn't slide into them <laughs> as seamlessly uh, as that. So overall, just just a phenomenal. That makes it even better to me, like knowing they... They did all of this themselves. Yes, and with baseball movies, we are not going necessarily like cold draft best player available. I think for drafting purposes, Field of Dreams was one, A League of Their Own is probably two, but in terms of our respective teams, I think we both needed the – it's an Eli Manning kind of situation that we kind of did, controlled. We need We need our – quarterbacks kind of on use a football example for a baseball movie draft, which is a great thing to do. Um, yeah. So I, I just read something about how a lot of game of Thrones actors have mentioned how like brutal it was filming. I didn't realize that there were a lot of injuries for a league of their own as well. And yeah. they, they don't get the credit that they deserve. They don't, but we are going to give it to them. Um, all right. So moving on to the second round, I believe we're back to my pick because the league of their own was technically your pick. Ryan and I have executed a trade, Field of Dreams for a League of Their Own. He now has that. I now have good old there's no crying in baseball. Um, so for my second pick, my second favorite baseball movie, I have to go with The Sandlot. Okay. I respect that. I have to go with The Sandlot. Um, this was my obvious, my number two. You're killing me, Smalls. Like, just such a good baseball movie. That's another one I can jump in at any time, and I just love it. Um, the the reason I think I love it so much is it's just kids who love playing. Like, I wish I loved anything as much as Benny the Jet Rodriguez loves playing baseball. Yes, the, the s'more scene is unbelievable. And MLB The Show 21 just, they kind of redid um, the scene where Ham hits the home run and that was the only ball, which leads to, uh, you know, them trying to go over the fence and all that. Um, they redid it and that was fantastic. Uh, this was number four on my board. So I also had it really high. Um, it's a great movie and it, you're right. It is one of those movies where like almost every scene has a quotable line. You gotta watch it. Benny the Jets, fantastic. The entire like slow motion running scene with, with, <laughs> um, with, Hercules behind him, right? Hercules was the dog, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, why th- that seemed off. With Hercules running behind him, the whole scene with, with, when, when, when he's in the guy's house, uh, with, with all the signed baseballs from, you know, the, 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 the old Yankees teams and all of that, 
Um, it's just such a great movie. Um, that's another movie that really just like encapsulates what's so great about baseball and, you know, kids playing baseball, loving the game. It's a great movie. It's so well done. Yeah. The, the, the s'mores part is, uh, I, we, I, my family probably quotes that more than anything else in the movie. It's just the, the, the mallow and all, all that. It's just, it's fantastic. Good pick. Just a truly, like I said, a, a reminder of why the game is fun. Um, I love the scene with the, the 4th of July where they, they can play at night because the fireworks light up the field. Like, it just is so fun. Obviously, Squints and, and Wendy Peppercorn, like, great storyline with all of that as well. Like, just a fun, fun, fun movie. Um, and I like at the end where you find out that how everyone, like, ends up or at least, you know, what's where Smalls, what he knows of them and the fact that him and Benny are still friends. Like, what a... What a perfect ending. Like, I know it's a bit, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Like, I, I can see why some people would be like, that's not realistic or like whatever. But no, I, I will not hear any arguments about that. It is it is so good. So, all right. That's my second pick. I think I know where you're going with your second pick. So just just lay it on me because I'm about to lose another one in my top five probably. Maybe. Um, I think a lot of people would have, eh, I think there are two. There are two really good ones on the board. And there's kind of a teardrop off. I'm going to go with Major League. Yeah, that's the one that you were going to go with. Yes. Um, Darn it. That's one of the most quotable movies of all time, regardless of sport or if it's a sports movie. Um, and it's actually one of those movies where, like, every time I go watch, go back and watch it every now and then, I think it gets funnier somehow. Yeah. Even though, you know, we've all seen this movie, you know, 14 times. Um, it just gets funnier and funnier. The, the cast is fantastic. I'm not even sure what my favorite scene would be. They're, they're legitimately like too many. Um, the stories of, of them, you know, filming it are great. Uh, there's a big, I think a sports illustrated profile like several years ago on it. It's, it's just, it's a phenomenal movie. Probably, I think the funniest baseball movie, unless I'm forgetting something. Um, I, I think it certainly holds that distinction. Um, but for me, Field of Dreams was absolutely number one, and Major League was absolutely number two. And then it was after that where there were a lot of different options. But those were those are absolutely my one-two baseball movies. Yeah. Um, obviously, my favorite quote, which we cannot say on the pod, I don't think, since this is a work pod and I'm not going to swear, but there's only one thing left to do. What's that? When the whole bleeping thing. Like, amazing. I, I just love that. Love that movie. Um, obviously, Ricky Wild Thing Bond. If you're from Cleveland, if you live in Cleveland, like he's basically, I feel like his own sports hero at this point. Like the the amount of Wild Thing merch you can find and buy, um, just truly, truly phenomenal. Yeah. Some media as far as Wild Thing goes, Charlie Sheen specifically. Um, number one, admitted to Sports Illustrated that he took steroids to prepare for this role. Um, and he believed that that caused him to increase his fastball to 85 miles an hour. Um, he was a high school pitcher who was offered a baseball scholarship to the University of Kansas, which I had no idea about, according to IMDb. In the movie, you know, obviously Wild Thing throws a 101 mile per hour fastball, but in reality, Sheen could only throw in the high 80s. Um, but this made it easier to simulate the fastball on film. So he was really throwing out there just, just not as fast as Wild Thing. Yeah, and I, uh, we have to mention Bob Uecker, who's yeah. actually going to be the best part of the entire movie. Um, and I think a, a lot or even close to all of his lines were basically improvised, and they just told him, hey, just just 
be you and go ahead. And he was gold in that movie. Um, I mean, actually, he, I mean, he's his entire career was gold, but especially in this movie, um, he was just fantastic. Icon behavior. Icon yeah. behavior. Like just a bit outside is probably one of the most quotable oh, baseball yeah. lines and terms of all time. And there's like 12 other ones. I think people quote that line. People quote that line and don't even know that they're quoting it. Like it's like seeped into the culture that that much. I think. Oh, that's actually almost like sad. Like the new generation is quoting it without real. Oh no, what have we done? I don't know. I don't know. They fully realize what it's from. They just know it's a baseball line. Um, yeah, they just the whole know thing it's- is great. Um, you're right, though. There are a lot of lines that, especially from Euchre, that we can't necessarily say on this podcast because it's a family pod, but A-plus, 80-grade movie, for sure. Yeah, and another trivia item, Wesley Snipes. Not a very skilled baseball player in real life. He never really played before this film, and according to David S. Ward, Snipes was so awful at throwing a baseball that they did not have any scenes of him throwing a baseball for that reason. So now there's nothing in this world that I want to see more than Wesley Snipes throwing a baseball. I don't know about you. There's got to be some director's cut somewhere with Willie Mays Hayes with the basket catch and then throwing it to the cutoff man somewhere. Yeah. We have to find it. All right. (laughs) This is getting tough for me because you now have two of my top five. So I'm going to go with another classic from my childhood, and I am, like, 100% positive that you don't see what I am picking. You do not see what is coming as far as what I am picking. I'm going to go with another 1993 film to go along with The Sandlot. I'm going to go with Rookie of the Year. Oh, that's such a good movie. I love this movie. Like, first of all, it is a childhood dream to have your favorite baseball team pick you out of the stands and come and pitch. Um, truly just a phenomenal film. Um, Thomas Ian Nicholas is great as Henry Rowan Gardner. Um, truly some great acting. Gary Busey before um, he went all Gary Busey on us, like still he hadn't, hadn't gotten to his, I think it was what was it a motorcycle accident yet that um, caused him to have some issues, but truly, truly a Phenomenal, phenomenal kids movie, baseball movie, whatever. I mean, I truly will always enjoy it forever. Great scenes, great lines. It is the only film directed by Daniel Stern, plays the pitching coach Brickma in the movie. And obviously, if you've seen Home Alone, he's in that as well. Um, His only his directorial debut and the only film he has directed to this point. I actually didn't realize he was he was the director. My favorite scene of that ridiculously great movie is Brickma getting caught in that cage. Yes. And shaking the cage and everything and, like, celebrate. Like, that is a fantastic scene. He's ridiculous in that movie, but in, like, the best way. That's a great movie. I, I love when they can't pronounce his name, and I always quote the, Garden Hosa. Like, just the, <laughs> different, the different ways that they're pronouncing poor Henry's name. Um, I mean, it just is, you know, like I said, obviously a ton of suspension of disbelief in this movie, but... Another movie that reminds you about, you know, being a kid and loving the game. And um, it just is a a cool. I like these movies with, you know, unique concepts that um, imagine. Like, how do you think of that? Like kid hurts his arm and can suddenly throw like 100 miles an hour. So he's going to go play for the Chicago Cubs. Like, I don't know how you come up with that. So I'm like kind of in awe of just the creativity to get this movie made. 
and he throws a four, like a 400 foot strike on a line. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, all right, that's my third pick. Ryan, time for yours. Uh, well, my third pick, um, I think has to be Bull Durham. Yeah. But that's on the board. Um, the scene, the, the mound visit scene when they're like, we, we got a lot going on here. That scene is absolutely perfect. I know that a lot of people would probably point to Costner's speech um, in the that movie. In this movie are, I think, the most famous thing. But the stuff with him and Tim Robbins is just, I mean, I watched Bull Durham last night in preparation for this draft. But, like, <laughs> the, the monologue scene or the monologue scenes are what everyone remembers. The stuff with Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner is my favorite part of the film. Yeah, Kevin Costner was like, he was made to be in baseball movies or westerns. And that's, like, all he does <laughs> Or, uh, I mean, that's a lot of what he's done for, like, all, most of his career. He was just, like, the baseball guy. and But he plays it really well. For example, in uh, For Love of the Game, which we talked about last week, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, and, and on and on and on. Yeah, it's it's one of those, like, quintessential baseball movies. It's always near the top of the list, at least, you know, at least in top five, top ten. Just that the scene where they're trying to pick out wedding gifts and uh, everything that's yeah. going on with that mound visit. That's just, it's fantastic cinema. Like there's that meme going around, like to me, that's cinema. Like that's that one. That's James Earl Jones's speech in Field of Dreams. And then this scene in Bull Durham um, are both fantastic. So that's, that's selection number three for me. The funny thing for me with Bull Durham is like, it's my second favorite Kevin Costner baseball movie. And it's my second favorite Tim Robbins movie. Cause obviously Shawshank is number one, but like rewatching it last night, I'm laughing because like the, some of the scenes with just Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins, like it reminds me so much of the scenes in Shawshank. With, and I assume you've seen it. I'm sorry if you haven't. I'm going to put you on blast like you did last week. To I've me. seen Shawshank about 22 times. Okay, good. Um, they remind me of the scenes of with Andy and Tommy in Shawshank. Like I don't know why. Like in my brain, yeah. I'm just, like I like made that connection. Um, so it's so funny to see just you know handful of years later Tim Robbins in that you know. I, I don't know exactly what descriptor I'm looking for, but more like polished and everything else and mentor type film role um, with Tommy and Shawshank Redemption. So not a baseball movie, but obviously have to have to bring that up because as I was watching this last night that that for some reason, my brain made that connection. I never really thought of that connection. Um, and, and they kind of reverse roles, um, you know, Tommy trying to get his, his high school diploma and then, uh, you know, Tim Robbins kind of reversing it. Uh, with Bull Durham, yeah, it, both fantastic movies, whether or not they're baseball movies or not. Um, but I think that has to be kind of selection number three. Some trivia, I th- think this is funny. Um, writer-director Ron Shelton, he cast Tim Robbins over strong objections from the studio who wanted, can you guess which 80s film star they wanted in Nuke's role? Tom Cruise. Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, wow. <laughs> The studio really wanted Anthony Michael Hall and Shelton had to threaten to quit the film before they finally backed off. That is a totally different movie. I mean, I truly like I cannot stress how much I love Tim Robbins in this movie. Like he just is so great. And obviously Kevin Costner has to play the polished like straight man too. And he's, you know, gets the benefit of being the the comedic relief. But man, like it is just so hard for me to picture anyone but Tim Robbins in this role. Yeah, there are a lot of situations like that where the director and the writers, they have a, a vision for a reason, 
and the studio can kind of get in the way sometimes. And Anthony Michael Hall may have been amazing in that role. You know, we don't know. He might. I guess there's a chance he could have been better. But, it, yeah, it's one of those roles where it's difficult to envision anybody else possibly in because um, it, it, it's become just such like a such a classic um, and so iconic, at least in, in the baseball world. Moving on to the fourth round. This is a tough one for me because I can go in a couple of different directions. But I think I'm going to have to take Moneyball. And obviously, you know, we both found out a few weeks ago we're both Aaron Sorkin fans with the West Wing, did the screenplay for this movie. Brad Pitt, just phenomenal as Billy Dean. Obviously, the Cleveland connection at the beginning of the movie is great. Um, I love it because, like, it truly does, I think, a great job of explaining how this sport works or has worked for the last, like, 20 or so years. Yes. And I mean, the scene where they're, they're explaining how hard it is. Well, he's trying to say how easy it is to switch to first late, first base. Um, that's a fantastic scene. Um, yeah, the movie did, did a really nice job. And I mean, if it's, if it's a baseball movie and Aaron Sorkin, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Um, he's, he's phenomenal. Chris Pratt before he was really Chris Pratt. Cause when, when did this movie come out? Like 20, 2011. So Chris Pratt, before he was full on famous and then, you know, eventually became Hollywood's most hated Chris, if you believe Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think they did a really, really nice job with this movie um, because it was something where if it's not quite authentic, it really wouldn't have worked. There are other movies and just it, not in baseball, but just in sports that have kind of tried to take a similar similar route. And if you take enough liberties, you know, a lot of these movies that are kind of based on semi-realistic events or just based on a true story-ish, a lot of them do take liberties. So that isn't to say that, you know, this movie's perfect or any of these movies, you know, really follow all of that. But if you take enough, it just starts to kind of feel less authentic and it can kind of take you out of it. I thought Moneyball did at least a good enough job to at least get close to kind of illustrating what happened. And I think that's, again, a credit to Aaron Sorkin because, you know, that's something that he's done um, a lot throughout, throughout his career with, with different projects. That was the next movie on my board as well. And you've made the next decision really difficult. Cause I agree. Cause the, the fourth pick is the one that I was looking at. Like there are like 19 different options, basically. Like there are so many good movies that are all right next to each other. Moneyball's a great movie. Um, Jonah Hill's really good in this movie. I was um, going to say that, yeah. Because yeah. um, he got nominated. This is the one I think I'm looking it up now. I believe he got a supporting actor nomination for this for this role in at the 2012 Oscars. As long as you get close enough to how things kind of op- operate, um, just get just get the overall story right. They obviously took some liberties. Uh, some scenes were improvised. To kind of make some movie magic, um, some situations were kind of altered um, and weren't quite realistic. You know, it's kind of like I so I got into, for example, like Johnny Cash because I saw the movie Walk the Line. And then later on, you read his biography, you read some things and you, you can kind of pick apart like, OK, this was kind of for the movie and it was sort of close. But um, I thought they did good enough in Moneyball to at least make it work, even though they it, it's not perfect. But um, I thought they did a good job. You know, the, the the scene where they're all in the in the room with all the scouts and Brad Pitt just keeps like snapping uh, to Jonah Hill is 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 solid. And I think kind of encapsulated the 
the point and kind of the heart of the movie. And um, I thought they did a really good job. It's it's a really solid baseball movie. Ryan, time for your fourth pick. I don't know. I was hoping you'd pick anything else because that would have been the easy. <laughs> Sorry. I have two. For the record, I have two movies that could be my final pick. So I, I feel OK no matter what you pick. Ugh. I know what my final pick is because I know you haven't seen it, so I'm kind of cheating and saving it for the last round. Oh, fair. <laughs> I'm 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 taking this way too seriously. I have let's see one, two, three, four, five. I have six movies that I'd be perfectly fine. Maybe even seven that yeah. I that I listed. I'd be fine here. Um, I'll uh, I'll take the rookie actually. That was one of mine. That was kind oh, of okay. my last spot, but it's fine because I'll pick my other one and it gives us more talking points. Okay. <laughs> I think I think most people would put the natural in this spot based on what's left. Yeah. Which is obviously, you know, a, a great baseball movie. The Rookie is one of those movies that I I've just always really enjoyed watching. I think Dennis Quaid is so good in it. So good. Um Bring the heat, dad. Like Yeah, it uh, the kids in the movie that, that are on the team are all really good. Dennis Quaid and Brian Cox is also amazing. Yeah, and I actually know some trivia about this movie. In the movie, they go on when they go on their tear, they're winning like thirteen three and like fifteen to one or whatever it was, twelve to four. The real team was went, was crushing teams like thirty to one or thirty two to two, and the directors didn't believe that the audience would believe that that's what happened, but that is what happened. Um, uh, it's just, it's, it, it's a really great, like, classic underdog story. For whatever reason, I always thought the music just kind of matched up really well with this movie, and I'm not necessarily a fan of, like, the genre of music that they really use, but I thought that it worked really well. It's just, it's, I thought, I, I, it's a Disney movie, and I, I thought they did really well. Uh, that's always been just one of my favorite movies that I always thought that I had ranked a little higher than a lot of people, but, it's just one of those enjoy, enjoyable films, and I think, you know, like you mentioned, if I if I saw it was on, I'd probably watch it regardless of wherever yeah. it was, you know, in the movie. Um, my favorite piece of trivia from this, glancing at this IMDb page quickly, um, Brian Cox is actually less than eight years older than Dennis Quaid, and he plays his father in the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> Justice for Brian Cox. He was not that old. That's what we're all about on this podcast, bringing justice, justice to older actors who weren't actually as old as you no. may have. And I love Succession, so I just have to plug that if you haven't seen it. But, yeah, I mean, truly, truly just amazing. And uh, another interesting tidbit, Trevor Morgan, who plays young Jimmy Morris, had to learn how to pitch left-handed. So another instance of somebody learning how to do something baseball-related for the film. Pretty impressive. That's that's pretty good acting too, because like, not being a, a huge athlete, but learning how to throw is one thing. But learning how to throw with your offhand, probably on semi-short notice, isn't the easiest thing either. Even if you have played, yeah, I mean that's that's just a a great scene as well. Him pitching in the backyard in the snow, it it's a it's a, that's a really really strong movie. I've, I've always it's always just kind of been uh, you know near and dear. So there's some uh, you know lo- like a lot of these movies, there's a little bit of nostalgia probably powering this, but um, it's a good one. All right, final round, fifth and final round. I'm going to do a bit of a lightning round. I'm going to be quicker here since we have to get going. But 
Um, for my last movie, I'm going to pick 42. Um, I have to do it. I know you brought up The Natural, and the only reason I'm not going to pick that is because I have, even though I know it's a phenomenal baseball movie, um, I haven't seen it since I was really, like, maybe within the last 10 years. I haven't watched it again. Um, and all of these movies for me have some connection, I realize, like, to my childhood or to my parents, and I either grew up watching it with them or it's also, like, one of their favorite movies and we've watched it together a lot. So, um 42, just a phenomenal movie about the Jackie Robinson story. Um, obviously, the first real huge movie for Chadwick Boseman, um, which I think gives it some added significance now, given his death last year. But really, he does a phenomenal job, I think, as Jackie Robinson for somebody who was a pretty much an unknown actor at that point. This is his first major movie, came before uh, Draft Day, came before, obviously, Black Panther. Um, truly a phenomenal movie. And... One of my introductions to the game of baseball, and I can't believe I'm telling this story on this podcast, but when I was younger, my dad, who's a huge baseball fan, taught me the lineup to the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers that won the World Series. So, like, it became, like, a fun, like, party trick for my parents that, like, their daughter knew who, like, Duke Schneider was. You know what I mean? Like, it just was... It just was truly, truly um, a part of my childhood for some reason, the Brooklyn Dodgers, even though I grew up in Cleveland. So I was so excited when this movie came out. And I think Chadwick does a phenomenal job, like I said. Uh, that's a great party trick. That's better than most people's party tricks. I know. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, the the day that I see something with Chadwick that isn't where he isn't great in it will be the first day. Um, I mean, he's he, he's just really, really, I mean, he's been great in everything. He's. He was great and everything. He that, that kind of that, that really sucks to say, but yeah, um, yeah. This um, I've, they did a really cool job with this movie, like visually. You know, I I, I think they they kind of timed this movie well to where they could do some things visually with with the the parks and everything. And I thought they did a good job of actually making it uncomfortable and kind of getting that element into it without yeah. just kind of wanting people to assume because I think that brings a, a a different level to it. Solid movie. Um, classic, uh, well, I mean, it will be a classic baseball movie, classic baseball story. Right. I mean, right. Um, you know, to, to tell the story of Jackie Robinson kind of so well, um, which is, you know, certainly, uh, you know, one of the, the all time, you know, classic baseball tales. And, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely in, within the fabric of the games, you know, today and, um, awesome movie. That's a, that's a pretty, that's what I mean though. Like that's your fifth pick and it's, yeah. there's so many great baseball movies. All right, Ryan, time for your fifth and final pick. And I think okay. I know what you're picking. Oh, yeah, because uh, I wouldn't stop talking about it last week. Um, and also, like, real quick, like, just to mention, like, Eight Men Out, great movie. Yeah. Uh, Angels in the Outfield, classic yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. Little Big League deserves to be not or mentioned just Bad for the fair. math scene, which is fantastic. Um, 61, great movie. That was really in, in consideration for my top five. Um but my, my fifth pick is going to be Hardball, which is kind of like my version of, like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie level type thing? <laughs> because it's not it, – it's certainly a baseball movie. It's not necessarily centered around that because it, it's kind of baseball adjacent, but I think it, it, it's, it's baseball enough to count um, because it does involve him coaching a Little League team. Um, it's just it's a fantastic movie, and – Again, I think the line that best kind of encapsulates what I'm trying to say is if you have human emotions, if you're a human being, you will enjoy this movie. And if you don't feel anything from this movie, you are dead inside. You are dead. Um, Keanu Reeves is really good. The kids in the movie are great. 
Um, it has a young Michael B. Jordan in it, uh, who is really good. I, I, I don't want to say kind of the reason why I love it, because for anyone who hasn't seen it, I don't want to like set it up as that. Because it's better if you go into it kind of with no real expectations, aside from me just saying that I enjoyed the movie. But classic movie, you know, I know that Tristan McKenzie's, I think, has tweeted before that, you know, he always has kind of the energy of of Miles on the Mound, who listens to Big Papa, which is a classic scene. Um, so this has to be in my top five. It's 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 just one of those movies that just always kind of brings out the same emotion. And I think it deserves to be ranked higher on these lists because I think it's always overlooked. And uh, that's, that's that's my little pitch for Hardball. All right, so that ends our draft. So to to recap, I went first and chose Field of Dreams. Ryan went second and chose A League of Their Own. We flopped those picks. <laughs> so after after that trade, my final final team consists of A League of Their Own, The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Moneyball, and Forty Two. Ryan, your final list: Field of Dreams, Major League, Bull Durham, The Rookie, and Hardball. So I enjoy, you know, I enjoyed this. This was fun. I look forward to people telling us how wrong we were. You can do that by finding us on Twitter. He's at by Ryan Lewis. Tell him how wrong he was and check out his great stuff over at beaconjournal.com and on his feed. I'm Ashley Bastock. Find me at AshleyBastock42. Um, and until next time, if I'm still talking to Ryan after he forced me to trade Field of Dreams. <laughs>